Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to Sidewalk Confessionals. Before we get started, uh, this episode is actually going to be broken into two parts. Uh, the part that you're listening to now uh, was posted on Tuesday, the normal day. The next part will be posted on Friday. Uh, that's just because when we recorded this episode, we actually recorded over two hours of um of podcasting material and I really don't want to get rid of any of it because it includes uh, some interesting anecdotes and you know some details about D&D uh, and it's something that uh, Caleb and I are both I wouldn't say passionate but we both find this uh, very interesting and you know we care about it quite a bit so I don't want to cut anything out so I'm cutting the podcast in half um, so let's get started with part one right now You're listening to Sidewalk Confessionals. I'm Caleb. And I'm Jeremy. And today we're going to be talking about D&D. Now you might ask, what exactly is D&D? Can you help us out there, Jeremy? Yeah. Um, so D&D uh, is short for Dungeons and Dragons. It's an old game. I think it. you said it was created in the 80s, yeah, right? Yeah, I believe it, it uh, started in the 80s. Um, but it's since... It's well, D and D itself has since been re-released in five different editions, I believe. Now, uh, um, I think more si- within I each think of six. those. The most recent is five E. Yeah. So, and um, besides that, there have been a lot of uh, games, role-playing games inspired by D and D, like Pathfinder. So, lots of people have different types, but D and D, what we're talking about really is the imaginative role play which always utilizes one person who guides the story the official D&D official D&D is by one all the books and everything rules and everything are written by one company I can't remember what they're called right now but it's not Wizards of the Coast is it yeah yeah that's it yeah Wizards of the Coast yep yeah so yeah they're all written the official D&D uh, is written by Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. um yeah, it's just a it's a fantasy role playing game. Yeah, um, it's quite lovely. It's really freaking fun. It's not for everyone. Uh, you know, some of the role playing gets a little bit, at least for me, uh, just because I'm like not a like an actor kind of person. Mm-hmm. So for me, sometimes the role playing gets a little bit like awkward and kind of weird. I typically don't role play like do the voice of my character and everything. I just I'm just kind of like uh, my character does this or my character says this to another character. But um, that's not what you're supposed to do, but whatever. You know, you're supposed to do it however that you enjoy it. But I do think that it, uh, the role-playing D&D helps. offers yeah, it offers this wonderful space for you to break out of your uh, real-world character and start, uh, you know, just being comfortable exploring other roles. And that's what's fun about D&D. It's, it's good practice for the imagination and also for the self you know it's i think it's character boosting honestly yeah i can see that yeah if you're unfamiliar with D, we'll tell you just a little bit more about it than other than it's just a role-playing game um but basically the fundamental components of D is that there's always one person called the dm the dungeon master who is like sort of controlling the story telling the story narrating things along um and he controls any npcs or non-playable characters in within the story 
Then there's the players. This is a group of people who join the Dungeon Master on an adventure in some fantasy world all through their imagination. It's all just talking. That's what this game is. Um, the players choose their own individual characters to play who begin with a uh, race. You know, there's more than just humans. There's other fantasy races like elves and orcs and even more. Um, and then you've got class, which is the kind of person, or I guess put basically what the person's job is in that world, yeah, except usually like, it's something fun. Usually yeah, like, like your wizards, your your monks, your fighters, yes. um, rangers, mm-hmm. uh, barbarians, barbarians, sorcerers, yeah, all paladins, all kinds of things. And then on top of that, bards. Oh, I love bards. Bards are cool. <laughs> um, on top of that, uh, you know. You can have so, uh, Wizards of the Coast makes campaigns. Mm-hmm. They write campaigns um, for you to follow, for the DM to basically just kind of read off um, what happens in the campaign and the players to play along. Typically with pre-made character sheets, you can modify it a little bit, but it's really good for beginners to start with a pre-made campaign. Um, but you can also do homebrew campaigns, still using the rules, and you know you can make up your own world. There are uh, some amazing homebrews. There are some amazing homebrews. Yeah, it can get as complicated as you want it to be. Um, but yeah, you can add races, you can add classes, you can modify rules, all kinds of stuff. It's pretty fun. But there are some things about D and D and all game, uh, most of the games like it that uh, that are consistent like you have races you have classes you have stats you have stats and you roll for stats so typically your um your most important die in because there are about six or seven main different ones six and seven main ones i have my yeah it's not just your classic six-sided die but DD is especially well known for the 20-sided die also called the d20 yeah um, and the D20 basically controls your life mm-hmm. in D&D. If you want to check if your character knows something, you roll a D20, uh, and they know it on a scale of 1 to 20. 1 being they know nothing, and 20 being they're an expert in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically, that's how the D20 works. So the D20 is a 20-sided dice, and it basically controls your life. Pretty much every other die is... Uh, like for special things, like how much damage you do on an attack, and all kinds of all kinds of other stuff. Um, they also control how much health you have, how much health you start with, um, what all of your other stats you start with, and how much you gain for level ups and all that sort of stuff. So you have to, you're basically rolling for everything, and you're leaving it up to luck to build your character pretty much your main stats your main stats are strength dexterity constitution intelligence wisdom and charisma Mm -hmm. and then you have different things like uh you can have depending on how your dm wants to play you can have inspiration points uh basically you can use that anytime anytime your character needs a boost like you're fighting a really difficult enemy and you're just at your wits end you can be like you can ask your dm hey, I have an inspiration point. Can I use this? And that will give you advantage on your rolls, which means you roll twice and you pick the higher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have your proficiency bonus, so that's a just a number that you add basically to anything that your character is proficient in. So if he's, you know, proficient in animal handling um, and you want to roll to, like, get a wolf to not attack you, <laughs> you add your proficiency bonus to that so you get 
two more to your role and you're two points better basically at getting yeah. this wolf to not murder you well yeah well because everything comes with a range of like likeliness or right? there's a sequence of events that could happen if you fall within a certain range along the d20 like one is guaranteed absolutely whatever you're trying to do you're not going to get it and usually not just that but dms often make it comically disastrous well it's called a so you're you have two you you have two critical roles. Uh-huh. So a one is a critical failure, mm-hmm. and a two is or a twenty is usually considered like a critical, critical hit, success. a critical success, a critical hit. Yeah, yeah. So like Caleb said, if you roll a one, uh, you're basically fucked. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's special. I some of my favorite times were rolling ones. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that because yeah, some of my favorite times typically typically when you roll a one and your character fucks something up spectacularly. That's what you remember better than when you roll a 20 and your character does something amazing. I don't even remember all the times I've rolled 20s, but I I do remember the times I've rolled ones. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I have a recent recent story. I'll tell it later. I think we're going to end up telling a couple of our playing stories throughout this. But, yeah. I think we should just jump right into it from there and we'll fill in the gaps later. So, yeah. I think they know enough. Let's get started with our... Second question, really. How did you get started playing D&D? So I got started... um, So a few years ago, I lived in Wilmington, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, with a couple friends. And, you know, I don't exactly what sparked our interest in D&D. I mean, before I moved to Wilmington, some of my high school friends were playing D&D, or kind of like a modified Mm -hmm. D&D. And I helped our DM every once in a while. And when I moved to Wilmington, you know, I still knew a little bit about D&D and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I think I think we just randomly like saw it on YouTube or something like that, because you can look up campaigns. You can look up people playing D&D. Yeah, I think one of my friends, uh, Hunter, just got started, which he's DMing my campaign right now. And I tried to patch him into this, but he just doesn't have the time. So we're going to revisit this. We'll make another episode about this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just started playing. We picked up, um, oh, what's the campaign called? It's a 5e campaign called Lost Minds of Fandelver, which is an amazing beginner campaign. It's uh, it's actually a really difficult beginner campaign. Um, and of course, you can make it a little bit easier, a little bit more difficult. But yeah, that's how we got started. Um, we just, we picked up a, we picked up a campaign. It was my friend... Uh, Hunter as the DM, and then me and my friend Dylan as players. Um, I played a fighter. Dylan played... Oh, God, I can't remember. I think Dylan played a wizard. And, yeah, it was pretty fun. There's some there's some good memories and some <laughs> absolutely horrifying memories from that campaign. Oh, That's a good... That was a good one. And the cool thing about Lost Minds of Fandelver is that you can... It, basically, it ends on... It has a conclusion, but you can kind of skip that mm-hmm. and take it wherever you want. So you can turn that campaign into a homebrew, which is exactly what we did. Because otherwise it would have taken us like maybe a couple weeks to play through the campaign. But we made this thing go on for months. Um, 
and we played through this campaign here and there we added and took away characters uh like friends would come and just play a couple times make it a little bit more interesting but yeah our characters ended up uh basically ruling Phandalin, which is the town rich, uh, around which this campaign is centered. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What alignment of campaign were you playing? I was true neutral. No, uh, I was neutral good. Yeah. Neutral good. Okay. I was neutral good. Yeah, I can't remember what he was. <laughs> I think I think Dylan's character was chaotic neutral. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, which is a really fun alignment. So how did you get started playing D&D? Well, um... It must have been back in 2013 with a high school friend group. Um, I actually, I can't remember whether it happened for the first time at Amanda's house or whether it happened for the first time at, I don't know whose house that was. Maybe it was the DM himself's house. His name was Matt. Apparently, nobody liked him as a DM, but I actually found the few sessions that I came in. I came in near the end of the campaign. Um... To be quite interesting. Yeah, well, I was really just a sit down on all those. I didn't have a character. I wasn't playing along. I was just sitting and watching for the first few times that I ever experienced D and D. I think um, eventually the the DM must have pitied me a bit or something like that, and he allowed me to play like a disembodied ghost who I couldn't actually interact or do anything in the world. But sometimes I was allowed to ask questions or say things to characters to suggest things to them, Um, and that was interesting for a little bit. But I don't know, that doesn't count as the first time that I played D&D. Uh, the first time that I played D&D would really have to be with Tion. Tion was the DM. And Tion he, was a good DM. He, well, he was playing off the Pathfinder rules. It's still D&D, though, guys. It really is. It's D&D. Um, he was playing off the Pathfinder rules, but he homebrewed a campaign from the ground up. Let me tell you, that was the most absurd amazing hilarious fantastic world I've ever journeyed in it it was called um oh fuck what was it called I want to say it was called Telos I think it was yeah Yeah. Telos and then the only thing I vividly remember a dragon named Kubris yes I remember that fucking dragon yeah (laughs) Kubris was an interesting dragon had powers over like time and space and could could, suck you into his own dimension yeah he could move you between dimensions at will he was a a gender bending shapeshifter who would constantly change forms Um, and he had a wicked sense of humor quite mischievous <laughs> Kubris. He was an interesting one. But he also acted... It's funny, now that I think of him, I almost think of him as sort of uh, the way he related to our characters in that campaign. Oh, God, I've already moved into question three. But me describing question oh, two fine. will part be my part of describing question three, and you can then yeah. do question three. But, um, but yeah, Kubris served as like a guide to our group of characters in Tian's campaign, that first campaign that I did. Um, and uh, because... If I can remember correctly, Tion's story was basically there was this world called Telos. Uh, there were 12 different nations basically within that world. And then um, a long time ago, all the nations used to fight, but now they've known peace because there's peace between their gods because it's been decided that every 100 years there will be a champ, there will be a championship tournament that happens to decide who is the most powerful warrior in the world. And then whoever wins that tournament becomes a god or a demigod rather 
and then they have like special status in their nation. It's almost Hunger Games-ish. It kind of is, but yeah, but it was totally way before Hunger Games. It was actually, wasn't it? No, it was after Hunger Games, oh. the books, and I think after the first movie, but before oh, shit, my the other ones. are all screwed up. Yeah, because this was definitely in 20... This was also in 2013 that this began, or maybe it was even a year later, 2014? I don't know. But, um... Yeah, so each of us were playing characters who were theoretically brought together in this town during the championship year. And I guess the idea was that all of us should be aspiring champions. Um, But actually, a few of us were kind of aspiring champions, but all of the characters had their this is one of the things I love the most about this story because the characters were all different alignments. Some were good, some were evil, but all of the characters had their own goddamn agendas. Oh yeah. They all had their own private stories and missions which they were trying to accomplish, which may or may not have been known to the other members of their party. Now this is something that is normally way too chaotic to do in a real D&D campaign. Realistically, you need characters who at least fall within a square of alignment. If it's not the whole nine things, they say you have to be within you know, three spaces of each other or something like that? Two something spaces. Like that. Yeah, just so the characters. Yeah, so the characters, their alignments, their ideals can kind of congeal together around a specific goal that drives the story. One thing that drives the story. Our campaign was not at all like that, <laughs> uh, which is really just a credit to Tian. He was so stressed out during that oh, campaign. Yeah. Oh my stressful, really. God, he was so stressed out because he was he was flying by the seat of his pants. Sometimes writing the story, he would come up with notes before the sessions, but he would pretty much, as he told us later on, he would write the story as we were playing, and he had to because we were all so unpredictable and so spontaneous, and it was hilarious. He did a great job. Um, so, uh, but yeah, basically, we're, we all get brought together by the championships because we're in the championship town, and we're all there for different things, but then uh, we get sidetracked by strange events that happen. Horribly, horribly sidetracked. Horribly, horribly sidetracked. Um, and then that's the reference that I wanted to make with Kubris about our story being similar uh, in a sense, or Kubris's role being similar to us as uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Q, and how he sort of guided the crew with the Enterprise, playing a mischievous trickster god, but also it's kind of like helping them or like just at least showing them the way or bringing them where yeah. they need to be at critical points yeah, in time. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, Kubris wasn't bad. He didn't wish no, no, bad upon your party. No, he just he liked playing bad. with you. He was just... God, did he love to play tricks. Yeah. He just loved playing around. And he liked see, he liked thoughts. seeing us suffer. <laughs> Those are the best. So he would bring us into wacky, weird situations. Like, uh, Tian introduced some legacy characters of his, I guess, which was... Uh, they were two draconic sorcerers who, at the time, we only saw them as dragons, I think. Um, they were brother and sister. They were called Nihil. And, oh, yeah. and what was her name? Ava, I think. Evangeline, it was short for. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And basically, we're introduced to those characters, and we like start helping them out on a brief mission. They get they conspire to get us to help them for some stupid reason, and then at the end of whatever that happens at that mission, she Ava goes crazy and murders Nihil. Yeah. And then apparently there's some weird time travel shit going on because we're seeing like older and younger versions of Nihil and younger and older versions of Ava and them in their human forms and them in their dragon forms. And it was wild. (laughs) 
If I went on to describe this whole story, it would take so many twists and turns. I think our viewers would be upside down listening to us. Yeah. Um, our viewers. <laughs> I'm upside down thinking about this story. Um, but it was fantastic. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it went a long way. Our characters got drawn into this adventure. And every chapter or every different week that we would do, it wasn't always consistent on a timely basis, but every different chapter... Um, it was they each had their own little thrilling story to tell and we went a long way we never got to quite finish the campaign but it did I should save how it ended for later because it got crazy it did get crazy okay so you yeah. tell me about your that campaign yeah, that your first, first one campaign. that was an interesting campaign so yeah like I said it was a store bought campaign um, mm-hmm. a box campaign I think they're referred to um yeah, it was just, I mean, it was fun. The beginning of it is super, super easy. Um, so our characters, we modified our characters a little bit. So I modified my fighter to be almost more like a ranger, like as much of a ranger as I could make a fighter, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe we changed it. We might have changed the stock character sheet to make that fighter a ranger. I, Hunter's, Hunter's an excellent DM. So he told the story you know that was written in the book but he embellished it and he would add things here and change things there and um so yeah certain characters he would mix up people's names so like there were these two characters i can't remember their names for the life of me but he the characters names were kind of awkward as they were written so he actually took the last names of each character and switched them Mm -hmm. and actually made the characters names unique to our campaign but they also just worked better um and we made this oh i remember there was this one aspect of this cast this campaign that i really fucking liked um so hunter just bought this like i think he bought it online this huge like master set of dice it had like three d it basically had like three d20s uh 3d12s 3d10s 3d4s blah 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 and a fuck ton of d6s for some reason and one of those d6s had a different color on each side Ooh, i do love colorful dice yeah and we called it the attractiveness die so we ranked the colors in order of attractiveness from one to six but yeah please tell me that red was at the bottom and violet was at the top i can't remember it no it had it wasn't the colors of the rainbow it was one of those weird dice that doesn't follow anything yeah i hate those do you remember the sexiest color i think the sexiest color is pink of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And the least And the least attractive, I think, was yellow. Yeah. Because yellow is a nasty color. But anyway. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So that was my favorite aspect. One of my favorite aspects about this campaign was the attractiveness die. So, yeah, it was ranked uh, in order of attractiveness. One of the colors was like horribly ugly in fact in some instances we would ask we would request to roll the attractiveness die and if we rolled the least attractive we would also have to make a constitution save and basically what that means is like well this is a saving throw either for or against your character's constitution so like whether they're able to stay conscious or whether they're able to like not scream out in pain or whatever so sometimes when we rolled the attractiveness die and it was uh, the attractiveness die equivalent of a critical failure, which is like the least 
attractive, like aggressively unattractive, we would also have to roll a constitution save, which means that they're so ugly. You thought you killed somebody. No, they're so ugly that we had to like keep our characters from vomiting. (laughs) Yeah. And then some of them sometimes... Sometimes we would modify the 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 role of the attractiveness die. Not the role. We would modify what the attractiveness die was doing. So, like, if I... If my character, whose name was Nemo, um, which means nothing in Latin, if you don't know. So, yeah, one time, if, if, if like, my character was flirting with another character, we would roll the attractiveness die instead of charisma um, to see how the basically like how this flirtation went because i was typically flirting with it i was flirting with an npc obviously because i didn't want to flirt with dylan's character um or did you (laughs) (laughs) but yeah 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 there was that there was yeah and there were just a there were just a few cool aspects of the campaign like that um, and then at the end of the campaign, like I said, that campaign kind of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, you can just kind of take it wherever you want. So we took it into this crazy a homebrew campaign. And we basically, like, we built up a garrison. There's the iguana moving around. <laughs> we built up, like, a garrison around the town. So we built the town up into, like, a military. Um, we took over an old... Was it called a keep? I can't remember. We took over like this old. It was a manor, Tresender Manor. We took over Tresender Manor um, as our as our like home and base of operations. Um, and we were basically we weren't like the dignitaries for the town, but we were kind of in bed with them. Uh, literally, in my character's case, my wow. character was dating one of the or like, yeah in bed with one of the other characters uh one of the npcs who was (laughs) who was one of the one of the like heads of government or politics for the town um so we definitely had so we definitely had pull um i'm sure you had pull But yeah, so our characters basically, and we were like the richest people in the town too. So we would do these, we would do these missions and stuff, and get paid huge amounts of money. Um, we took down a, what was that the the campaign. <laughs> we built up the economy of that oh town. We created the economy of that town. Um, but basically, that's the part of the fun of D anD. d You can actually create economies. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, you can, you know, sway governments. And I remember one time we got back from a mission. Our mission was to go kill some bandits, mm-hmm. I believe, um, or something like that. But anyway, we went on this mission for one of the people in government that we didn't like. Um, we went on this mission one because it was important to the storyline of the campaign but two because even though we didn't like this person um we knew that it was just like the right thing to do right because the whole purpose of this box campaign is to take down this group of bandits um so we went on this mission for this person that we didn't really like and he was like you know i'm gonna put you on this mission it's a high bounty it's a high stakes mission um, but I want proof that you actually 
did this. So I need you to bring back someone dead or alive or something like that. And we're like, okay, 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 okay. So we went on this mission, you know, with no intention of doing anything super crazy. Um, <laughs> but this mission, I kind of don't want to tell this story. I won't tell this in detail. I'll revisit it later because I kind of want to save this mission for a fun, for uh, our last question. But no, I'll tell it. I'll, t- I'll tell this story, but I'll, t- I'll tell a different one for the, for the next thing. So we went on this mission. Um, and basically during this mission, like when we would camp out, um, our DM would roll. Can't remember what it's called he would basically roll the d20 to see what happened like and, and it would, the number would correspond with a certain amount of things that could happen during the day or during the night depending on what time of day it was um so one time he rolled uh, on this mission he rolled at, at night and we were awoken by a creature called an owl bear oh god this was you yeah. This was you? That's this hilarious story that's been sitting in my mind. It comes from you? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God, this story. <laughs> Holy fucking shit, this story. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. Um, yeah, so he rolls. Uh, so an owl bear. An owl bear is uh, a character. I can't remember their size. I think they're large or extra large or something yeah, like they're, that. They're pretty big. They're big. They're, they're bigger they're, than polar bears. They're yeah. They're these huge bears. So the physicality of the creature is like the shape of the creature is a is a bear. But imagine a gigantic bear with feathers <laughs> and the head of an owl. So this thing comes a this thing comes a coming into our campsite. God, it's horrifying. And the first... Imagine, because it can turn its neck all the way around, its head all the way around. Yeah, yeah. So the first encounter with this owl bear. Oh, I should also mention that on this mission, we had an NPC playing with us. Um, Droop, he was called. Oh, boy. But we renamed him was Happy. Was he a uh, Spriggan? No, he was a goblin. A goblin? I like that. Yeah, he was a goblin, but actually... His alignment didn't fall. We modified the story because we ended up really liking this goblin because the way you meet him in the story, he's not actually trying to do anything bad because um, his alignment... Goblins get an unfair name. Goblin racism is real. Okay. Goblin discrimination is real. Hashtag love the goblins. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so the way you get introduced to this goblin in the story is that he's basically like stealing from the manor, blah, 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 blah. Maybe? I can't remember. Or maybe he's being held hostage by some other goblins or some shit like that. Anyway, we rescued this goblin and he became one of our allies. So he was this NPC that would play with us. And he was basically like the way of the DM, our DM, having his own character in the story. Um, But yeah, there was this goblin with us and his dexterity was insanely high. Which means his sneak, his sneaking ability is super high too. Um, So... This first owlbear is, I mean, owlbears are really tough. So he pretty much, he fucked us up. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a bad way when he was done with us. But the way we got him is that uh, Droop, Happy, would run around throughout the trees because he was the only one of us who had dark vision. Mm-hmm. So he would run around throughout the trees and like kind of make noises and draw the owlbear's attention while the other uh, the two of us would get behind him and launch our attacks at him. Um, and eventually we killed that owlbear. 
that owlbear fucked up Dylan's character Theron so badly that he basically made a vow a silent vow that any other time and because of this we because of this and because of Theron's modified backstory we created a role called an insanity die mm-hmm. or it, either insanity or sanity dice depending on the situation so you roll a d20 and either your character keeps his shit together um does some act of like pure genius or goes fucking insane um and because of this event we made it so that next time we encountered an owlbear theron would have to roll an insanity die so the mission goes on we, we kill this owlbear uh we're fucked up theron's character is mad as shit um the campaign goes on the mission goes on we meet another owlbear and I have to int- I I have to tell you how Hunter introduced this owlbear because it's it was pure genius. It's a simple thing, but it was beautiful. He said, um, you know, the night is relatively uneventful until about, you know, until about halfway through the night, maybe 3 4 in the morning, you guys are awoken by rustling. And, you know, y- like roll perception checks. And perception check is basically, you know, you roll to see what your character sees and hears around you, what you perceive. So we roll perception checks, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you hear coming from down the path. <laughs> and it's another owlbear. So Dylan's character, Theron, rolls since insanity. We roll uh, initiative to see the the order of who goes when. Um, we... He rolls his insanity dice. I think I'm remembering this correctly. He rolls his insanity dice. He doesn't make it. His character loses it. So what his character basically says is, you guys, referring to my character and Happy, you guys take the horses, take the cart, get out of here. And his character kills this owlbear in two rounds Two rounds. What what was he playing? Two rounds. A wizard. Oh, fuck. Two rounds. Because of his insanity dice and because of his silent vow against these owlbears, he gets initiative or uh, advantage on his attack rolls. So he does, I think, Thunderbolt twice in a row. So giant fucking thunderbolts from his chest straight to this owlbear's face twice in a row. Kills it twice. Continues goes fucking insane runs up to this owlbear rips its head off and puts it on his head like a helmet and screams and i quote the funniest thing that i have ever heard in any DD campaign he goes who fuck you and sees a pack of wolves on a ridge by where we were camping and takes off running after them. These wolves didn't do shit to us. He takes off running at these wolves and he attacks them, kills two of them by pecking them to death with the owlbear's head that he's wearing. And because of this, he gets back to camp and with, and basically we see him go after these wolves. So we go, um, he kills these wolves um, and he needs help eventually. So my character actually makes a really, really clean kill on one of those wolves, the alpha, 
who has really who's, has snow white fur mm-hmm. so because of this whole event basically we got and this is important to the end of this mission which i will skip to um we uh, happy with his high dexterity makes theron a cloak out of the hide of the owl bear using its head as the hood and he makes me a cloak out of the alpha wolf that i killed using the fur of its head as my hood when we wear these cloaks we get advantage to intimidation rolls because they're terrifying so we go through this mission and every creature that we kill on this mission we've been collecting its head in a large burlap sack this mission takes us a week to complete so the first heads are rotten they smell bad so we come back to town with these heads which we're using as proof that we completed the mission uh, although this is above and beyond and completely unnecessary but we do this because the person who sent us on this mission is an asshole right and we want to be like you know what fuck you so we walk into the town hall you know the guards uh, we, we we walk in and basically it's droop stays outside happy stays outside we have this sack of rotten heads and hands and shit really nasty we're dragging it behind us leaving it spunk everywhere we're wearing our cloaks and our best clothes underneath you know all dressed up we flip down our hoods we get advantage to our intimidation rolls the guards at the front of the doors put their uh put their halberts in front of us uh, and they're basically like, you know, state your name and your business, but they're like quivering because we're terrifying. And I just turn, I turn and look at them and roll intimidation. And they're just like, oh, fuck. And they just let us in. Uh, <laughs> we walk up to where these officials are sitting. And we had made friends with a couple of them. Like I said, my character was literally sleeping with one of them. Um so they're like oh god this is basically everyone except this official that's being an asshole to us is like oh god this is going to be good but they can't laugh because you know they can't they, they can't be like oh fuck yeah we're on your side because they're part of the government yeah. they have to be unbiased blah 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 but anyway we walk up we're terrifying <laughs> yeah. we start talking um we find out on the mission that it's actually more difficult than we originally intended and our characters actually almost died a few times on this mission um so we walk up the man starts talking and theron's character says rolls intimidation and he's basically like shut up (laughs) and he tells his character he tells his character he's like shut up here's what's gonna happen you're gonna pay us triple what you said before which it goes from, I think, 3,000 gold to 9,000 gold, right? He's like, you're going to pay triple. And this man is quivering in his boots. And he's like, you wanted proof? And I take the bag and open it and just dump all of these rotten heads and shit at this man's feet. And people are gagging. And this guy is so scared. He, like, vomits. And he just, like, he just, like, shakily waves a hand at one of his, at one of his, at one of the at one of the people and they like bring us this like chest full of gold and we just turn around and leave later that day the character that i'm sleeping that my character is sleeping with comes up to me and he's like 
I would have handled that differently, but that was amazing. Crap. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first campaign I ever played. It set a pretty high bar. That campaign set a pretty high bar for the campaigns that I like to play. But yeah, that was amazing. The terrible thing, or I guess the wonderful thing about that story is that it's not the best D&D D I roll D and D story that I have, but that'll come later. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is yeah, yeah. So we talked a little bit about like the race and class and all that stuff of our characters. But what's your favorite? I guess you kind of have to explain a little bit. But what's your favorite race, class, and alignment to play? Ooh. Well, um, I've I've only played a few characters, but I've got to say that my my first character was a human and i like humans people often look at humans as like the boring uh, cop out well, humans are the most race. versatile characters yeah they they look at them as boring cop out race to choose in D&D but they are they're the most versatile they're like decidedly even in the world and it's like their opportunities are limitless although their ability to pursue them is limited so they can do anything but they've got to be a little more choosy than some of the other races. Some of the other races have like natural advantages and yeah. magic or uh, health or strength or intelligence, or yeah. all that sort of stuff. Humans are typically pretty pretty flat. They're pretty even across all their stats. Yeah, but um, there's advantages to being human. So yeah, I'm gonna say I like being human. As for my favorite class, I, I guess I am a bit bland. I like playing wizards. That was also my first character. Uh, I'm basically just going to describe my first character here because he was one of my favorites. Um, although I do have others that I like. Um, but for my class, I like wizards. Basically, the, the point is that I just wish I could actually do magic in real life. And I've always <laughs> wanted to be a wizard. And sadly, I have no powers. <laughs> so I usually play magic characters in D&D. Wizards, sorcerers, bards. Frankly, they're all wonderful, but <coughs> wizard was is probably the one I'm most familiar with. So that was yeah. cool. Um, what about your alignment? I think we kind of have to briefly explain alignment really quick. But what's your favorite yeah. alignment? Um, my favorite alignment. I tend towards chaotic neutral. Honestly, that's yeah, usually what that's my characters totally kind of are. <laughs> they're just all over the place and they can be good and they can be bad too so yeah uh, they're pretty neutral yeah so in D&D you have alignment you have your race and your class but you also have alignment and these are the three uh, basically strongest defining characteristics mm-hmm. of your character um, so you have lawful neutral and you have two axes, yeah. lawful versus chaotic, and then good versus evil. And then in between all of those, neutral. Right. So, yeah, lawful, good. Basically, lawful means that you, you know, you follow the law, basically. You follow all the rules. If you, if even if it's not, you have to have some sort of law or code to your life. Whether There's you're following structure. the law of the land, whether you're following a personal moral code, whether you're devoted to like a certain family or or just like the rules of some organization, society, place, or of yourself. But yeah, structures, rules, yeah. law, and honor. 
chaotic is the opposite. Yeah. Chaotic has no rules. Yeah, chaotic is all over the place. And then there's good, neutral, and evil, which are kind of self-explanatory. So good is typically, you know, you're doing things to help people. You don't wish bad upon people. Um, and usually you're probably inclined to, like you said, help someone who's in a time of need. Um, you might, you know, be selfless, heroic, those sorts of things. The characters in D&D usually are a little separated from real life, at least in how active they are in their leanings. So, you know, in real life, we all might be in like this like morally gray sort of neutral space, honestly. Yeah. Neutral, If you, there's two ways to play neutral. There's one way, which is like, you always decide to be neutral and you don't stand your ground on any situation because you're neutral. And then some people play true neutral like that and I think that's bullshit. True neutral, <laughs> true neutral are the people that you meet every day in real life. Yeah. Those are the people. The people that you meet walking through the grocery store. The, the people who you interact with. Life is pretty damn neutral. So a good neutral character of any flavor, but especially true neutrals, is going to be one who just acts like somebody would in real life. Yeah. They can be a little more callous than that, though. Because sometimes it's some freaky shit that happens in D&D. Like, <laughs> yeah. We need to cut off the hands of this thief so that he tells us where he took the town's money. We are all starving. Oh, yeah. Like, so how will the true neutral character react with if they've been tasked to slowly cut the fingers off one by one of the thief in the town? Yeah. Obviously, that might be horrifying in real life, but in D&D, killing is a part of life for everybody, good or evil. So everyone's a lot less shy about acts of violence, um, which is distinctly different from real life. Although there are some violent people out there, somebody might squirm if you like. Even depending on whether they're good or evil or whatever, they might be like, oh, cut off his fucking hands. <laughs> uh, in this campaign that we're playing, we had a, a character who we needed information from, uh, an NPC mm-hmm. uh, that we needed information from. And we caught her. We killed her, her henchman. Um, we caught her and we were questioning her and she didn't want to tell us anything. So my character, my character's true neutral. I like playing true neutral. But um, yeah, my character was like torturer, tired of the bed, waterboarder. <laughs> and we scared her. My character scared, well, actually, I think all of us scared her enough that she just started telling us information. But if she hadn't, my character straight up would have waterboarded her and like tortured her. Because mm-hmm. um, that's just because I'm a fucked up person. But... <laughs> But yeah, my character is true neutral. He's just like, he doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, he's go with the flow. If you're a, you know, if you're not too unkosher a person, he's going to be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 He's a fun character. Yeah. So your favorite alignment, you said? Uh, My favorite alignment was chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's true neutral. My favorite race is definitely... See, I like humans be- for their versatility, uh-huh. but I also like elves because they're just fucking badasses. Um, so my character in this campaign is a half elf, mm-hmm. um, which actually half races in D and D also present their own. Any half race uh, presents it their own kind of kind of little quirks because most mixed master race. huh <laughs> mixed master race yeah yeah so they kind of give you. And they kind of give you the best and worst uh-huh. of each race. Um, 
but your character also is typically if it's a if it's a, a half race they're typically very independent because n- almost none of the races humans and elves elves particularly are a little more lenient towards half races mm-hmm. um, at least in our world that we're playing in now mm-hmm. um but typically if you're a half race you're kind of yeah. you're kind of a pariah there's racism in D&D. Yeah. It is it has even though it's a fantasy, it has corollaries to the real world. So, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 speaking of corollaries to the real world, my favorite class is Ranger. Nice. Uh, cuz I'm just kind of an outdoorsy yeah, outdoorsman like kind of person. kind of you kind of describe you, honestly. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Well, they say that you put yourself into your characters and you need oh, yeah, to 100%. if you're going to make a strong one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, tell us about one of your beloved characters, like one of your favorite characters ever. Okay. Um, well, I'm actually not going to talk about my first character, Patch the Wizard. No, please don't. We I'm don't not going to talk about <laughs> Patch because <laughs> I could lar- I could write books about him, and We're already I, I do at 50 have 50 minutes, one. and we don't need another 50. I'm for actually going to tell you about a later one of my characters, which was in another homebrew campaign that I played with Amanda. Shelby, Ethan, and your brother. Oh. Yeah. He was in there briefly. He called himself Coco Pebbles. He was in there. That's right. <laughs> Fucking That's Coco right. Pebbles. Your brother's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh... I keep telling him, I'm sorry, I keep telling him that he should, like, start doing, like, stand-up or something, because he's fucking funny. He is! He's just a funny guy. Um... But uh, I was playing a character, I was playing a half-elf, Bard, uh, another magical class, but a little more physical, this one, and um, my my character's name was Kremly, I believe. (laughs) He was a bit of an odd jobs kind of guy. Even though he was a Bard, he was actually, he was working as the servant for uh, this person, I want to say they were a knight or something like that, who was kind of like the leader in this campaign. but he functioned as like, I want to say like a squire, a butler, and also he was a jester. That's what he was. He was a jester. He was a motley fool. Um, <laughs> he carried around his bard, because all bards usually have an instrument. He yeah. carried around a triangle. And I actually. I yes! I actually had a real physical triangle, which I would bring to the campaigns and do little dings. Ding, ding, dings. And I got into role-playing that character. I think he was my favorite character to role-play because I really, I had, I was in him. And he was so fun because he was so, I can't remember his alignment. I believe he was a neutral good, actually. But, or maybe he was chaotic. I don't know because he was he was a little weird, honestly. Yeah. Um, he was a, a half-elf and he was a jester, but he was also like functioning as like a butler and a servant and all this other stuff. And he was kind of like horsewhipped by his boss, whoever his boss was. It was kind of an asshole. That's who it was. I was working for fucking Ethan. I was working for fucking Ethan. <laughs> oh, was that his bond? Uh, his bond? Yeah. A proud noble once gave me a horrible beating, and I will take my revenge on any on any bully I encounter. I don't. What is that? That's his bond. That's your bonds. So in D and D, you have a list of like personality traits, mm-hmm. ideals, bonds, and flaws, and your character needs one or two of each of those things. But yeah, that's one of the bonds that you can have. 
for certain characters. That would have been a good bond for that character, though, since your master was so horrible. Yeah, he's such an asshole. <laughs> but, well, that's Ethan. But Kremly took it? Yeah, it was Ethan. Let me just tell you a little bit about Ethan, too, because... And my God, is he ever an asshole. But he was also a fantastic role player. Yeah. One of like the most charismatic. He was, I don't know if either of us ever ever told you this, but he was actually an uh, an actor, I think an actor in a couple plays in middle school when we were in middle school. Well, I believe it because he's talented. Yeah. Um, He's entertaining. Absolutely. Um, so he always, Ethan loves to play these good characters, like these lawful good characters who are like paladins. And they're like these shining, blonde haired, blue eyed, knights in shining armor, hero type characters. Oh my God. And they're like Such a narcissist. so virtuous and so good and so amazing and so brave and so good. And yes, oh my God, such he's a true narcissist. He is a true narcissist. <laughs> Holy shit. Whoa! Uh, like, literally, in his first campaign, he was serving the Golden God. I'll just leave that there. Um, the, or rather, the God of Light. He was serving the God of Light. Oh, my God. Who Lucifer? was... <laughs> well, <laughs> let's say no more. Anyway, so I, I, was, I was a servant to Ethan's knight character, who I was, he was pretty much a, re, a remade Zep. Uh, he was Zep, but a little calmed down. But at the same time, he was a little tuned up at times. He he, he got into the Zep character because Zep was outrageous. Zep, yeah. Zep's an old character for Ethan. Yeah, well, he's, his, he's like uh, Ethan's alter eagle. <laughs> I said it again! I meant to say alter ego, but I said alter eagle. So his character was like this knight. Let me give you a little background on this campaign. Just a quick background. It was a semi, it was out of a book. Uh, our, our DM, who was Matt, but a different Matt from the first DM, um, he drew this campaign partially out of a book, but he also overlaid his own fantasy side story into and around it. Um, and he basically set it on an island, and our quest was to go looking for this lost person um, when we arrived on the island. I think it's like the mayor or something like that. Some very important person in town who's gone completely missing. And we've come, and we we were we crash-landed there. Our ship was like, what's the thing when it crashes at sea or something like that, and it comes up on land? Uh, run aground? Yeah, our ship was run aground. That seems to be a problem that happens a lot here. It's a town filled with, like, unfriendly natives or weird, weirdly distant natives and a bunch of stranded people who've formed their own community in the town. It was actually... It's Australia. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. It was this little island. It was cold. Um, or at least that's how... Cold out. Australia. <laughs> it's cold Australia. Um, it's Iceland. So we're, we were brought together to, like, find this person, and I'm playing the servant to Ethan's knight, who obviously he's the good knight, so he accepts the quest that he's given, which is by the local government. Um, and, uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Amanda was playing this character. She was a traveler from a faraway land. I think she was just a passenger on our ship when it crashed. But... She decided to stay with our group because we were familiar. That's my luck in real life. Um, and was she she was actually a very interesting character. I believe she was a kitsune. Um, 
And uh, she was a real interesting character, but she had some weird shit going on. Eventually, this campaign started out kind of, it was like a Vikings setting. That was what it was. It was less like Australia because it was more like, it was a Viking land. Okay. And there was Vikings, there was elf racism, all the elves. It was originally their land. Then the Vikings came and settled it. And yeah, now it's the Vikings right. land. And now there are all these stranded people from all over the world who are like second-class foreigners who live in a camp a little outside the main town with the Vikings. Um, and then the elves, the the only remaining native elves of the land, live in the woods. They're all secretly ninjas. There's some weird shit going on. There's oh. conspiring between the local government of the Vikings and the elf people. This, The political conspiring was so fun. Here's the reason why I love Kremli so much. Our DM, it's true that DMs are supposed to be neutral to the players. Yeah. But usually DMs have a little bit of personality and they also can, they can get frustrated. So Ethan being Ethan and pushing things too far with his character, um, sometimes being too much of an asshole or trying too much to get his way, our DM would push back. Yeah. And he would punish him by rewarding me. <laughs> so my character quickly he was he, he had a high charisma. It was his highest stat and he had he spoke a couple different languages and he had good diplomacy and he was good at acting and entertaining and he could play music. So he made everybody laugh and everybody liked him because he was interesting and he played music. Even though he wasn't that smart or wasn't that skilled and he goofed up sometimes. He was, everybody liked him. He was yeah. a really fun, nice guy. Yeah. So he quickly becomes embroiled with the local Vikings. They all, they, our characters come to a banquet one night. There's like a, a formal party get together. But because it's Vikings, everyone gets drunk as fuck. Right. Um, <laughs> Ethan is a noble knight and he refrains from alcohol. So he doesn't get drunk. And as for the rest of the night, while the rest of these Vikings were all here basically as a diplomacy mission so that they trust us more, all these Vikings are liking me because I'm drinking with them and like playing wild games and we play music together and I dive naked into a pool of ice. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to get it. And, and I get a tattoo. Oh my God. <laughs> and so at the end of the night, uh, by the next day, um, everybody thinks that he's like this stuffy dick and everybody thinks that I'm awesome and they've made me an honorary Viking and they've given me a Viking name and by, for the rest of that campaign I don't go by Kremli but I go by Trike mm-hmm. for my triangle I Ding! remember this yes so that was fucking awesome then another thing is everybody knows how I in real life love music and as a bard I actually got to bring music into this character it was really minor because I was just the triangle and that was like that was more for entertainment than music but um, Matt liked music too the DM and he decided to also hold these sort of competitions which were like battle of the bands but for Vikings it was another unique part of his homebrew world so which is that they had heavy metal instruments that yes. also served as weapons. And they were like made of stone and powered with magic. And they were they were awesome. And we had rock tournaments. And even though I wasn't actually playing music, I was like role playing, playing music. And the way he was describing like the crowd's reactions and how everything was going, it felt like I was in a fucking concert. And because of course there's always music in my mind, I was in a concert. You were in a concert playing Viking heavy metal. Yes. I was in a concert playing Viking heavy metal. That's fucking awesome. As Trike. 
the fucking Bardic Knight. Viking, whatever. Viking Knight, yeah. Yeah. And it was awesome. I loved that character. He was hilarious. And, um, yeah, it was really fun. And it was fun because he, as as Kremli, uh, or Trike, as he became known, gradually grew in power and influence as he was liked by everybody. Um, Ethan's character increasingly grew to be like distrusted and despised by the locals eventually the mission the mission the original mission to find the guy got sidetracked by we found out some freaky shit and maybe he wasn't lost all along maybe he wanted to get away so we went we got captured by the ninjas from the forest who all along um, Amanda's Kitsune character had been conspiring with Shelby character actually didn't stay long so I think she got like written into the background because Shelby couldn't stay for the campaign yeah and then Ryan came later as Coco Pebbles, and he was just like comic relief, but he was fucking hilarious. <laughs> God, he was so funny. You always need a good comic relief character. Um, yeah. But uh, eventually, Kitsune had been conspiring with the ninjas, which was firmly against the local government, so this should have been against me. But then it turns out that there was a big rift within the government itself, and that the reason so-and-so went missing is because his brother or something had like tried to murder him, and then frame him and plant all these clues just to make it look like he had gotten away, and or, or that he, that the brother that he tried to murder had been like conspiring against them, or all this stuff, and he used it to, because I think the guy who went missing was like the king and this guy was like the prince or whatever and he used it, uh, all that sympathy and all that loss of power to like rise himself and also there was another brother who was like a more better shoe-in to be the next one and he, there was stuff because he couldn't get rid of him with diplomacy because everyone liked him and of course he was the natural shoe-in this conspiring manipulative brother had conspired with the elf ninjas in the forest to assassinate him. Uh, They'd already gotten rid of the king or whatever. Yeah, so he's dead. Yeah. You're looking for no one. Yeah, we were looking for no one. It was a wild goose chase. We got brought in to make it basically look at more real. They didn't think we would be... They didn't think what would happen would happen, or he didn't expect what would happen would happen because he thought eventually our quest would go on. You know, it would satisfy people's interest. Oh, yes, they're questing for the king. They're looking for the king. And then everyone will forget about the issue. But as always, because Ethan tries too hard and because... <laughs> he broke the campaign. And because I'm too involved, Yeah. things twisted around. Yeah. So the ninjas kidnap us. Amanda had been conspiring with them all along. And then I had just learned of all these revelations myself. So all of my loyalties changed. And it basically, we turned, there was a huge slaughter. We got taken away with the ninjas. And then to survive, we turned on Ethan and almost had him executed. I turned on him and I was like talking to the ninja leader against Ethan and I was like yes kill him he was with this he was plotting this this and this against us because another one of the things remember the elves in the forest are hated so one of Ethan's missions that he was asked by one of the people who was there I think one of the leaders one of the two brothers or something like that and I think the missing king was the father whatever um, was to like find out about this strange elf activity or something like that and find out what these no good elves are up to and put a stop to it. Yeah. So Ethan <laughs> was doing it. Right. Um, 
So, or Zep as it was. So Zep is directly against you and Amanda. Yes. Yeah. And even though I had been, I was still his servant up to this time, I outranked him so much within the local community that I just, it was really just a confidence thing with my character. My character just needed to stop putting up with his shit and just do my shit. And that's yeah. all that it was. And I, he turned on him like that. <laughs> He ended up actually praying his way successfully out of being killed. <laughs> but it was hilarious. It was it was hilarious and it was beautiful. I always love how Ethan brings gods into the campaign. Yeah. His relationship he with his gods. It's <laughs> so unlike him. I know. It's just so unlike the real Ethan. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. His characters are beautiful. It's wonderful. That's my beloved character, Kremli slash Trike. Damn. The warrior bard. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to part one of this podcast. Tune back in on Friday for part two. We're going to pick right back up where we left off today. You've been listening to Sidewalk Confessionals. Happy listening and have a nice day.